Gail. And I'm Oliver. And welcome to the Gail and Oliver podcast. Before we get into today's topic, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Today we are trying to answer the question, for society to gain, does someone have to lose? As you have seen from our past podcasts, the answer has always been the same. Yes, for something to be gained, something always must be lost. Today we will, we will be looking at this question through the perspective of imperialism, which is a policy extending a country's power and influence over foreign nations through diplomacy or military force. Empire building is an old theme in world history. Societies have sought to dominate weaker nations from as long ago as ancient Mesopotamia and Egypt all the way through to the present. Motivations have been similar, to obtain natural resources, to subdue enemies, to gain wealth, to win power and glory. With the combination of sea power, centralized governments, and industrialized economies, European nations set out to build empires all over the world, driven by the need to provide raw materials for their industrial capacity. Now, let's take a closer look at a specific example of imperialism. In 1885, King Leopold II of the Belgians took control of the Congo. The boom and demand for natural rubber abundance in the territory created a radical shift in the 1890s to facilitate the extraction and export of rubber. All uninhabited land in the Congo was nationalized, with the majority distributed to private companies as concessions. Between 1891 and 1906, the companies were allowed to do whatever they wished with almost no judicial interference, the results being that forced labor and violent coercion were used to collect the rubber cheaply and maximize profit. Individual workers who refused to participate in rubber collection would be killed and entire villages raised. Individual white administrators were free to indulge their own sadism. He turned the nation into a money-making machine by farming ivory and rubber and building a fortune on the labor of the people who lived there. Things quickly escalated, and the events that took place in the Congo are widely known as the African Holocaust. Leopold's harsh policies to keep people working turned into a brutal reign of mutilations and terror that led to the deaths of an estimated 10 million people in a few short years. The main cause of the population decline was disease. A number of pandemics, notably African sleeping sickness, smallpox, swine influenza, and amboic dysentery, ravaged indigenous populations. In 1901 alone, it was estimated that 500,000 Congolese had died from the sleeping sickness. Disease, famine, and violence combined to reduce the birth rate while excess deaths rose. The severing of workers' hands achieved particular international notoriety. These were sometimes cut off by forced public soldiers, who were made to account for every shot they fired by bringing back the hands of their victims. So, these events were all clearly losses for the native people. Their country was exploited, and the people were terrorized, mutilated, and forced into slavery. However, as small as they are, the natives did gain some things. The arrival of Europeans brought new technologies to the Congo, as well as better health care, better market access, and educational opportunities. Although European education presented a negative outlook of African cultures and the only classes taught were courses of agriculture and how to be a good farmer, essentially Europeans were grooming a new generation of workers for their benefit. Another instance of imperialism was in South Africa. Apartheid was a political and social system in South Africa during the era of white minority rule. It enforced racial discrimination against non-whites, mainly focused on skin color. 
This existed in the 20th century, from 1948 until the early 1990s. The word apartheid means separateness. Racial segregation had existed in Southern Africa for centuries, but when the apartheid legislation was introduced by the National Party in 1948, it was strictly enforced and became institutionalized. Apartheid made laws that forced the different racial groups to live separately and develop separately, and grossly unequally, too. It tried to stop all intermarriage and social integration between racial groups. During apartheid, to have a friendship with someone of a different race generally brought suspicion upon you, or worse. More than this, apartheid was a social system which severely disadvantaged the majority of the population, simply because they did not share the skin color of the rulers. Many were just kept above destitution because they were non-white. Although the good is overshadowed by the bad, apartheid did have some positive aspects. Klaus Mashigo who shoots instant passport photos on the streets of downtown Johannesburg, hates to recall the old apartheid days when whites weren't appreciating us as people, as he quotes. But in some respects, he wouldn't mind having the apartheid government back. Since the end of the white rule in 1994, he said, crime has increased, jobs are scarce, bureaucrats are rude and inefficient, and police now shake down street vendors like Mashigo for bribes. This is a quote from him. I expected change, but not like this. The previous government was better than this one. If government could go back to the whites, things would be better. Altogether, about 20% of black South Africans say they missed at least some aspects of apartheid. So, overall, there were both positive and negative aspects of the imperialism in Congo and South Africa. For the Europeans to gain money, power, resources, and trading partners, Africans had to lose a lot. Some lost their lives, some lost limbs, and all of them lost their rights. As we have seen in our past podcasts, for someone to gain, someone always has to lose. What do you guys think? Thanks for tuning in to the Gail and Oliver podcast. See you next time, where Oliver might be able to say the word inevitably.